This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Iowa and Ohio State fresh off their respective bye weeks as Iowa is traveling to Ohio State to take on the number two Ohio State Buckeyes in a primetime game that's going to be on Fox. David Eicholt, Sean Bach here, HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 Sports, part of the Swarmcast. Sean, we we had a nice nice little weekend off. We're back at it. How uh, did you how did you end up spending your bye week? Were you able to get away for a little bit? Yeah, no, I was able to get away. Um you know, do, do some fun stuff in Southern Illinois. Um, so it was a good, uh, it was a good weekend. Yeah, definitely was a uh, good weekend. Nice to get away, kind of feel a little bit refreshed, but as I got home, I, uh, caught a, caught a cold or something, you know, with the changing weather, my house, for some reason, my parents' house in Illinois is like dry. Like it's very dry in here. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's like <laughs> dust or what the reason is, but I swear every time I come home, like either my eyes are really dry or my throat starts to hurt or it's some it's something whack. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't want to place all the blame on them, but it uh <clears throat> definitely can feel it a little bit. But it's not it's not anything horrible. I, I can toughen through it, but it's definitely just a minor inconvenience. You'll uh, you'll battle through the adversity. I got you know people oh, should yes. have respect for that for sure. Uh, no, good to hear. I mean, you know, we had our bye week mailbag. We had plenty of content, and you know, I think the bye week came at a good time. I think for the fans, I think for media members, and I think for the players, obviously itself being that exact halfway point of the season, a good chance for Iowa to kind of reevaluate where they're at. But it does not get tougher than than what Saturday brings. I mean, they're going to Ohio State. I think Ohio State's playing the best football in the country of anybody, uh, maybe besides Tennessee. I know Georgia's probably still up there, but they had a sloppy few weeks. But Tennessee looks really, really good as well. But uh, we'll dive more into that matchup a little bit uh, later, Sean. But I thought it'd be, you know, start things off a little bit differently. We had a, a VIP mailbag that you answered during the bye week. And I thought there were some interesting questions I thought we should we should surface to to the podcast itself. And I'm going to bounce around here. One of them that was very intriguing to me was what three former Hawkeyes on offense would you take to turn this year's offensive woes around and why would you take them? I'll let you take the lead on it. I, I think I thought that was a really, really cool question. I mean, obviously, I think number one, you got to go with Brad Banks. There's really no debate there. I think I think anyone in the past couple of years um, would would go with that. I would say wide receiver. I think I put Marvin McNutt just because he could kind of catch everything. 
And then at offensive line, I believe I put Tristan Werfs because I think you could afford to put him at right tackle because, as we know, right tackle has been Connor Colby. I think is going to be a really good player, but I think he's most suited at that right guard spot right now or one of the left guard, um, one of those positions right now. So those are the three I went with. I mean, you know, I think with Banks having the ability, having a guy, I mean, I guess with an offense, if you don't have an offensive line, I mean, we see that. I mean, I know it's a different comparison, but we see that with the Chicago Bears right now is that Justin Fields wants to move and wants to get outside the pocket a little bit but he really doesn't have time to improvise or do any of that. And I think with an offensive line like Iowa's right now, Brad Banks would have his struggles, but still, I mean, that's a, that's an electrifying quarterback that you can, you know, move around the pocket, do different things with roll out and just make guys better. I'm not saying Spencer Petrus isn't that, but I mean, he hasn't been that. And then with Martin McNutt, like I said, I mean, Iowa really needs receivers and I mean, he's been probably the best in this century. So I would go with him. And then, like I said, with Werfs, too, just just a stable guy on the offensive line at that right tackle position. I think that would be that would be really big for this Iowa team, too. Who would you go with? You know, I've gone back and forth on this, Sean, just because do you take two offensive linemen? Do you take a running back? Do you take two wide receivers just to try to spark something? I think I think you have to take Brad Banks, number one. I just I, I think he fits what modern college football is about. And I want to say he was ahead of his time in that sense, because there are plenty of quarterbacks that could do similar things. But he's the first real guy that I can think of for Iowa quarterback that just sort of really pushed that that mobility to another level. He could make, you know, game changing plays with his legs. So I think Brad Banks at quarterback. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Sean Green. I I just think as tough of a runner as he was, he he could just make some big big things happen. Could not he won't be a factor in the passing game, but I really think that Sean Green would at least give you that sort of next level runner. He can make guys miss. He he was elusive enough in the open field. He would truck over people. I mean, Dilk Walker Award winner, and you know as crazy as it sounds, I'm not going to choose a receiver, and my reasoning behind it is. Great quarterbacks make average receivers good. And that's kind of my, you know, I, I think you look at obviously the NFL is a different story, but we've seen Tom Brady have some really bad receiver cores. Still turns out MVP seasons. We've seen guys that really might not be effective elsewhere, but they're effective when they have a great quarterback. And I think Brad Banks is a great quarterback. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go Robert Gallery. I, I thought, you know, maybe a Tristan Wirfs. I think you can make an argument. I think you can make an argument for Tyler Linderbaum and even Brandon Scherf. But I'm going to go with Robert Gallery, what he did during his his Iowa career. Uh, I think if you get those three guys, you at least have some sort of more stability on the ground. And I think that would open up Iowa for the the play action, more rollouts that Iowa wants to do. But yeah, uh, I, if you I took a Marvin that I get it. Yeah, I think you go with Brandon Smith, too, at that at that X receiver. I think that would be important too. I think for, from a goal line perspective, certainly. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point. I know people might want to throw in a Hawkinson, a Fant, but do you really want to take, what's the point of kind of upgrading your tight end position just because there's so many other glaring needs on this, on this Iowa offense. But I think you can make it, you can make an argument for several players. Uh, and I think it gets interesting. 
I think the only one you really have to take, I think you have to take a lineman and I think you have to take a quarterback. Um, but we'll see about that. Uh, I, again, I thought that was an interesting exercise. I mean, if you ask me tomorrow, I might change it again, but that's, that's really who I, who I thought would, uh, at least help Iowa take that next step. But and another question I really kind of wanted to hit because this is going to be a very popular topic for the next several weeks and in the off season, Sean, what's Iowa going to do in the transfer portal? Where are the glaring needs? What do you attack? Because from my standpoint, Iowa has to hit the portal. If there's anything this season's Tom, they got to hit the portal. Yeah. I, I think the priority, um, Obviously, on the offensive side of the ball, that's going to be the main priority. Um, I think quarterback, you have to look at that a little bit, depending on what Spencer Petras says. I know people aren't going to like to hear this, or some people, but he has another year of eligibility left. And, you know, there is a chance for him to use that extra year of eligibility to stay at Iowa. That is, there's a very real chance of that. And outside of him, I mean, I think you kind of see where the coaches are at right now with the quarterback situation is, you know, we're riding with Spencer and I don't know if it's because, you know, they trust Spencer the most. I think that's part of it, but it's also like, there seems to be a big drop off from where Alex PD is from where Joey Labis is not yet to give Joey Labis some time. Cause I think, you know, maybe in a year he'll be ready, but I think that kind of tells you what you need to know. And I mean, we know that Iowa went after a quarterback, a couple quarterbacks last year in the portal and didn't get them. And I think you need to go with that mindset again. Um, you know, we don't want to speculate names because it's too early, but there are a couple guys that come to mind that I think would be really good fits at Iowa. So quarterbacks, number one, I think you got to go after a wide receiver, one of those playmaker guys. I know it's going to be tough to convince some of these guys to you know play in a system like Iowa where maybe you don't get the ball as much as a receiver but I think you can sell someone on the opportunity of playing at the power five level and that will be you know probably something that they do so I think the two that you really have to prioritize are those quarterback and uh, wide receiver positions I, I think they feel good about Logan Jones at center you know, the offensive line, I think you can afford to give these guys another year. Maybe after next year, if things aren't working out, then you can go with the guy on the offensive line. But, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, and then potentially an offensive lineman, whether that be a, a guard or a tackle, probably a tackle, I would say. Um, that would probably be the route I would go with the tackle just because, you know, you've had inconsistency at those spots and, you know, they're there. You maybe can move Connor Colby back to guard. There's different ways you can go, but you know, in order, I'm going to prioritize it this way wide receiver number one, quarterback number two, and then offensive lineman, preferably a tackle number three. And then I think defense, you can, I mean, who knows? Maybe they go after a cornerback or something too, because I mean, well, Jamari Harris will be back. Terry Roberts, I believe, can come back. And then I believe so know, too. And after all the injuries, yeah. I think he's going to have to. Yeah, if he wants to play at that next level, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you have Cooper DeGene that can play corner. You have TJ Hall, who the staff is really excited about. You have a couple guys coming in that could maybe play early, but, you know, not really sure at that cornerback position. So that's an area on defense maybe they could go with, but I think those three on offense make the most sense. I think it has to be quarterback one. Just from a strict 
immediate upgrade, the most important position on the team. And I do, and I have heard that depending on who enters the portal, I'm not going to speculate as to who's going to do that. I don't think it's fair to the players. I don't think it's fair to either program to speculate that. But I think there would be a few names that they'd be very interested in. And I think you have to hit two wide receivers in the portal. Like Iowa has to find somebody because I'm, I'm very intrigued what the roster is going to look like next year. Just from, you know, frustration level right now with what's going on. I think Iowa has not exactly managed the wide receivers the best in terms of pure numbers, Sean. I mean, they had two scholarship receivers available for the first two weeks. That, that doesn't happen anywhere else. And it's not the first time in the last decade that that's happened for Iowa. And three, if Iowa's offense continues to be kind of where they're at, you know there's going to be turnover somewhere. There, there just has to be. So I'm, I'm intrigued about what's going to happen there. I think they uh, hit two receivers. They have to get a quarterback. And I'd push back a little bit on the tackle. I think if they want to give Caden Proctor a year to really get ingrained right. in. Right. But you bring in a five-star guy that, you know, you, you'll take the growing pains because you just see his upside. And you, you put him at tackle, keep Richmond. Then, like you said, you throw Colby back at offensive guard. And I expect a big, big jump from Logan Jones next year. Like as frustrating as the line is this year, Sean, I think we've told, we've talked about this before, like the potential for Iowa's line in the future is very, very high. Like I'm still all in on what they can become. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think <clears throat> this offensive line, we, we, we had a lot of expectations coming in early for them. And, you know, part of that was due to Mason Richmond coming back, Connor Colby coming back. But if you think about it, like these are all new guys. And it's not like, you know, Nick DeYoung or Jack Plum really, you know, proved a ton last year. And, you know, we kind of seen that this year. I mean, DeYoung's battled injuries throughout his career. And, you know, Plum's had a couple unfortunate things too. But with these guys, I mean, that's a new, it's a very new group. And I think we really underestimated what this group could be and, you know, how good this group would be. I mean, Tyler Linderbaum. Really good center, probably the best, one of the best, if not the best that Iowa's ever had. That's tough to replace him with a guy who has not taken a snap in a game at center before this year. Um, so those are those are key components of him. I think that leads into our next question too. Like, is George Barnett, Iowa's offensive line coach, a good coach? And yes, I mean, I think he is. I think from a Korean standpoint. 
I've talked to a number of coaches or parents of recruits that, you know, they were sold on Iowa because of Barnett. He played a massive role in getting some of these guys in the 2023 class. And, you know, while that's got to go on to the field and performance, it kind of shows, you know, what kind of coach. And, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about him as a teacher too. And, you know, I think it's just one of those years that you kind of have to anticipate happening in due time. I mean, I know Iowa fans and Iowa isn't used to it with offensive line struggles because it's a program that is built and just identified on the offensive line. But, you know, with them having struggles this year, a lot of people have really have had, you know, haven't been able to come to, to, you know, realization that this group is young and this group in, needs time. And this group, I mean, is part of the reason why the offensive has not been where it needs to be or where it needs to go. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that you got to live with. And I think Kirk summed it up last time we talked to him. He said, this offense is what it is right now. I mean, that that's just the reality that the product that's on the field. And I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's way too early to judge Barnett. I, I, I mean, we've talked to him one. I've had a few one-on-ones with him. Strikes me as a very genuine guy. I think he's beloved by, by his players. He's obviously a huge hit on the recruiting trail. I mean, this isn't a guy, Sean, that was thrust into this role. I mean, he's been coaching offensive line at the college level for, what, 20-plus years. Like, he knows what he's doing. So I, I think it's just a combined – uh, it's just a combined factors of its youth. It's Iowa not being able to retain the upperclassmen health wise, or maybe they transfer, you know, entire offensive line or cream classes just have kind of folded or, or not panned out. And that's with no, that, that in no way should represent what Barnett's doing because he wasn't in charge of bringing those guys in. He wasn't at fault for what's currently happening there. So I think you at least give him till the end of next year, minimum, if, if not another year after that, Sean. I, I think he's recruiting at a high level. Uh, but with that being said, you have to see the continual improvement. And I think there's minor things they're starting to do better. But Kirk summed it up best. They just got to get better, and they got to get better quick. They just got to get better quicker if they want to salvage this season in any retrospect. And, you know, I think they have a chance to move forward against Ohio State. I think just to kind of dive into the breakdown of this, Sean, I mean, I was a 29 and a half point underdog. I think it's the second largest spread uh, that I was it's the second largest spread that Kirk's been a part of being the underdog. This isn't, this does not have the same feel as 2017. I was not going with alternate uniforms. It's not a night game. It's not, you know, it, it, Ohio State isn't coming off a comeback win. This is in the horseshoe. Ohio State has the best offense in the country, in my opinion. I think they're the best team in the country. And all they've been hearing for the past five years is 55-24. And, you know, when you and I were previewing the season a couple months ago, Sean, I, I remember mentioning to you specifically, I just said, they're going to be motivated to play Iowa after that. It was Ryan Day's first year on staff in that 2017 year, and he he was very vocal about it in a press conference this week saying, look, we, we mailed it in on Tuesday. We weren't practicing hard, and it's a scar, and it sort of remains with you. So I don't think there's going to be any letdown by this Ohio State team. I think they're incredibly motivated to play Iowa, and they're fresh off a of bye week. And from the sounds of it, 
they're getting their best player back in Jack, arguably their best player back in Jackson Smith and the Jigba. I mean, this is Iowa's toughest test without a doubt. Yeah, it. Uh, if you're Ohio State, not only do you remember that 2017 game, but a lot of people have given you. I mean, a lot of people have given Ohio State a lot of credit for their six and zero start. I mean, I guess that Notre Dame win doesn't look as impressive now, but a lot of people have said like they haven't really played anybody. And while that's partially true, I think you have to really tip your hat to Ohio State and how they've just been able to blow teams out of the water. And doing that against Iowa would really set them up for games against Penn State and Michigan, the top 25 opponents that they still have on the schedule. And, yeah, I mean, you said, Dave, it's like Ohio State doesn't want to have what it had in 2017 because, you know, this team I feel like with really no – no favorite in college football this year. I mean, you can look at some of like Georgia, but obviously they've had some games where they almost lost. Tennessee has looked really good, but they have their weak points too. Alabama lost to Tennessee. Um, and Michigan has looked pretty good too, especially with that win over Penn State. There's really no number one team in the country, and Ohio State can – really solidify itself and they want to solidify itself and it's kind of scary to think about they haven't had Smith and Jigba who you know had probably one of the best four game regular season four game stretches and then that Rose Bowl performance where he had like 15 catches for 347 yards and like three or four touchdowns yeah. like ridiculous and he's played 38 snaps this year so getting him back and, you know, just the way that they've been able to take that step forward on defense from last year has really been impressive for Ohio state. And, you know, they want to prove that they can, they can dominate and they have a good chance of doing that on, on Saturday. But I think there's ways that Iowa can avoid that too. Sean, they've punted the ball 15 times this year in six games. Yeah, I mean, they're they're averaging 49 points per game. C.J. Stroud, Hendon Hooker are the two top Heisman candidates, in my opinion. I think you can go either way with it. Mayan Williams is taking a huge step at running back. Travion Henderson, who I said before the season, is the most underrated player in America, and he's the fifth player now you mentioned when you look at this Ohio State offense. Marvin Harrison Jr., six touchdowns. Emeka, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Emeka Igbuka, 30 catches, 512 yards, five touchdowns. Julian Fleming, 11 catches, four touchdowns. Cade Stover, pair of touchdowns, 13 catches, 200 yards. I mean, you just go down the list, Sean. I mean, what, what they can do offensively, it's it's really mind-boggling, and it's very intriguing to me about how they're going to match up with Iowa's defense because Iowa's defense is the only defense in the country that has not allowed a play of 40 yards or more. Uh, I think Phil Parker's defense is based on preventing the explosive play. Ohio State goes after the explosive plays. How much are they really going to try to take the top off Iowa's defense in this game? And how quickly are they going to try to do that? I think that's something that's interesting to me. On the flip side, the one of the most important keys to this game for me, Sean, for Iowa, is you have to get momentum quickly. First drive, you got to get a turnover, or at least maybe a three and out. Just get some positive momentum, positive plays in your favor to say, hey, you know what? We came to Ohio State. It's a scarlet out. It's on Fox. Big new kickoffs there. We're going to try to hold our own. 
And I think the importance of getting a turnover on that first or second drive is going to be absolutely massive. And I'm still waiting on Riley Moss to have a breakout game. I think he's too good a player not to. I think this is a huge opportunity for him to kind of put himself back on the map as far as his NFL draft conversation goes. If he goes up against these wide receivers and holds his own. And how what's Iowa, what's Iowa's defense get tried to do? Are they going to just go all out and try to prevent the pass? Or are they going to try to stop the run and make C.J. Stroud beat them? I mean, this Ohio State team has so many weapons. You can't take it all away. But what part is Iowa going to focus in on trying to stop? And just the matchup itself, it's going to be very, very interesting to watch. Yeah, there's uh, this is one of those games where, yes, Iowa stacks up well with Ohio State, I think, from an Iowa defense to Ohio State offensive perspective. But, I mean, I think Iowa can stop the run game. But, I mean, Ohio State's been pretty good with the run. But also, this might be one of those games where, you know, you have to really stay on your P's and Q's with, you know, your your pass, your passing defense and your coverage. Because, man, if Ohio State gets one over the top, like, you're like they're gone. Like that's it's going to be one of those games where Iowa's or Ohio State's going to try and make it. Ohio State wants to make it a field day. They want to make it a track meet. That's going to what's work. That's good. That's what is going to work out best for them. They want to get the ball through the air. They want to get behind the safeties. They want to get to the second level. You know they want you know the four or five second drops, um, and then you know hit their guy for a big gain. That's what they're going to try and do. Well, Iowa is used to keeping everything in front of them, containing and not allowing them to get past the secondary. But that's what Ohio State's going to want to do. And, you know, with a really depleted secondary, too, that doesn't really bode as well for Iowa, I think. You know, I think Iowa has the athletes to keep up with, you know, those guys. But, you know, if, if Ohio State gets two or three touchdowns in the first quarter, I – you know, this one could get ugly fast. Is this the game where potentially frustrations boil over? And I think this is something that's very interesting. I mean, like you said, if Iowa gets off the right track, Sean, and they go down 28 nothing's first half, what's the locker room feel? What's the locker room going to feel like? And that's something I'm keeping a very, very close eye on. What's the body language the guy is going to be in this game? Yeah, that's that's why I said, I mean, we're writing our preview. It'll be up tomorrow, uh, Friday morning. I said, you know, what is what is the sign of life behind after the bye week? You know, you don't want to talk about moral victories, but what do you consider a win? I mean, yes, like Iowa has shown in the past that it can beat Ohio State and upset Ohio State. But those were under completely different circumstances. This Ohio State team, you know, do you consider it a moral victory if you keep it under 20 points? Because if you get blown out, I mean, then then things are going to be, you know, very, very, uh, very outgoing and, you know, toxic from the outside. But, you know, I think this is – this is – I mean, we've said about every game this year, but – this is one of the more important games of the season because you can still finish respectably in the Big Ten West, you know, if you win 
the rest of your games after Ohio State. Because Iowa has a chance to do that, but how likely is that? I think this game, this performance, you know, depends that, you know, what you do at the end of the year, the rest of the season depends a lot on this game. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a fan of moral victories, Sean. Football players and high-level competitors are not. But we need to be realistic here. If Iowa puts up two touchdowns, offensive, I'm serious, two offensive touchdowns, and Iowa keeps it within three touchdowns, you feel a hell of a lot better with that than getting going to the horseshoe and getting blown out by 42 points. Based on what we have seen on the field this year, at least it shows people, hey, they, they're growing. They're doing something. And as crazy as it sounds, like that's what Iowa needs to see right now. They, they need to see positive momentum within the program and on the field results because, you know, I was in, I was in Illinois. Sean, that the, the watching the post game and being in the post game, Spencer Petrus and the offensive players. I mean, you saw they looked broken. They they just looked broken. I mean, all the hours of work that they've done, and they just can't find a way to put up points. And mm-hmm. it's a very very big deal this team right now. And I brought I tweeted the stat. I think I brought it up before, but Sean, we cover a team. That is 39 and three since 2017 when they put up 21 or more points. 20, I mean, 21, that's not a lot of points. And, yeah. you know, you don't, like you said, you don't really want to consider the moral victory, but with how many players are young in this program, you got to show some sign of life. You got to show some sign of progress. And there is no better opportunity to do that than against Ohio State in prime time. Just find a way to take the small steps that can lead to big steps as you get in the home stretch of the season. Yeah. I mean, our, our mindsets, I mean, Iowa's mindsets obviously to go into that game and win, Yep. but from a big picture standpoint, I mean, you could feel a lot more better about this season. If Iowa keeps it, you know, 17, 14 points. And I think that's doable. I definitely think that's doable, but Ohio State, man, like if there's any team that could beat a team like Iowa by, you know, 30 points, it's Ohio State. But we'll see. So to go back to, to I guess, just kind of sum this up, Sean, keys to the game, give me your final prediction. <clears throat> keys to the game. So I said it before, um, I think that first half or first quarter is going to be huge. I think if you keep Ohio State to one or two touchdowns, maybe one touchdown, then you maybe get a score after that first quarter. I think that could really set the tone. I do think Iowa needs also to have longer possessions. And, I mean, I put out that stat earlier about possessions, that how much more successful Iowa is as a team when they put together possessions of over four minutes. I think you need to do that. You need to keep the defense off the field. You need to keep Iowa's defense off the field for as long as possible. So longer possessions are going to be key. Putting together those three to four yard runs, those occasional five or six, you know, and doing what you need to do to get those first downs. I know it sounds cliche, but that's what needs to happen. 
What's your final score prediction? Uh, I went with Ohio State 38, Iowa 10. But, I, I mean, you can make an argument for Ohio State 28 uh, or, you know, Iowa 10, but I'm going to go 38-10, Ohio State to be safe. I picked a bigger blowout beginning – I mean, especially last week. Now that I've kind of taken a step back, really analyzed this team and, and thought about things, I do think this is the game where, like I said, the frustration can absolutely boil over within the locker room. Uh, I don't want to speculate that. I think it's unfair to the players. I'm just saying it could happen. I'm not saying it will happen. I think Iowa gives up a touchdown on the first drive. I think Iowa just well after. And I love that 38 to 10 prediction. But I got, I'm going to go 38 to six. I, Sean, I can't pick him to score a touchdown. I mean, Ohio State, we talked about their offense, Sean. Their defense is top 10 defense in the country statistically as well. It's the only team in the country that has top 10 <laughs> offense and top 10 defense. And I, I can't pick Iowa to score a touchdown. I can't pick them to score two. I'm saying if they want to keep momentum going for the rest of the season, they need to. But with the product on the field and what we've seen, I mean, can you – I want your take. I mean, can you blame me for not saying they can't score a touchdown? It, it's just – it seems like a tall task at this point against this talented defense. And when I asked Kirk about what they've kind of keyed in on offensively to help change the – you know, take the steps, he's brought the Ohio State defensive line out of nowhere. So that tells me he's incredibly worried about that Ohio State defensive front. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I think it's going to be, you know, like I said, if if you keep it close in the first quarter, you know, midway through the second quarter, I think that sets the tone. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that's going Ohio State's way that makes me think that the final score won't be won't be super pretty, but. You know, that's crazy to think because, I mean, I don't think we've ever had a podcast where we've thought like this, you know, we were this pessimistic. You know, but my my counter that would be, Sean, are we being pessimistic or are we being a realist based on what we've seen? That's true. That's true. I mean, it's just there's nothing that we've seen right now. I think it's a big opportunity for Brian. And, look, I I don't want to speculate on Brian's job comparison, Sean, or anything like that, but there's a game where he can at least win back any – any any sort of credibility to the fan base is to go out there and have a great offense performance against Ohio State. Yeah. So yeah. for Sean Bach, David Eichel, 24-7 Sports, HawkeyeInsider.com. Be sure to stay locked in with us, and uh, we'll be back post-game on Saturday to break down what all happened. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.